0: Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, If you happen to be a first-time guest with us, welcome to Riverwood. Thankful that you're joining us uh, for our Good Friday service. Uh, And if you're online, really glad that you've uh, chosen to make uh, some time here. I've honestly been really looking forward to tonight, and I hope that these next 30, 40 minutes will just be incredibly meaningful for you and uh, will really set you up to worship Jesus on Easter Sunday. Uh, if you have a coin in your pocket, uh, go ahead and pull it out. It's not a huge deal if you don't. Uh, but if, if you have a coin, just go ahead and pull it out. It, kids, if you're with us, if you want to imagine you're holding a coin, uh, you could pretend you're holding a dime or maybe a quarter. Or, hey, if you want to go really big, Eisenhower, silver dollar. Uh, all right, but hold, hold that coin for a second in your, your hand and just look at it. On, on one side is the head of a U.S. president. That's the side we call heads. But on the other side is some sort of patriotic imagery. And because it's different on all different coins, we just call that tails. But even though we've got heads and tails, you still just have one coin. But no matter what you do, you have a coin with a heads and a tails. Even if you found a joke quarter. You know what a joke quarter is? It's where you have a heads on one side and a heads on the other side. And so you can flip it, and you're always right. You always get heads. Except all I have to do is take a permanent marker, mark one side, and you will discover you have a heads and a tails. Tonight, we're going to study a passage that we're also going to talk about on Sunday. Now, on Sunday, we get to look at the glorious heads side of that story. What we're going to see in these verses is just something amazing, something awesome. I, I hope on Sunday that you will walk out of here just in awe of the power of god but tonight we need to sit in the dark tales side we we need to sit in the garden of gethsemane with jesus we need to go to calvary and look up at the cross and see what is happening because in order for us to truly appreciate sunday we have to sit on friday and so tonight, we're going to look at the same passages we're going to see Sunday. We're just going to look at it through a filter of Friday, of the horrors of the cross. Tonight, we're going to hear portions from Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, Isaiah 53 was written 600 to 700 years before Jesus's events at the cross. Th- think about that, six to 700 years. And yet tonight, as we hear these different portions read throughout the evening— you're going to be amazed at just the detail it brings and shows us what Jesus went through. And and, and so to get those out of that, though, we need to look at a truth from John 10. John 10 is what we're going to study on Sunday, but it's also a truth there that's going to help us appreciate Isaiah 53. So I want you to hear John 10, verses 17 and 18. For this reason... The Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now, on Sunday, we're going to look at the previous 16 verses as well as these two verses. And what we're going to see on Sunday is Jesus is talking about sheep. It's not going to be a very typical Easter passage, because we're going to hear him talk about sheep and shepherds, about robbers and gates. And for some people, it's a little confusing. In fact, we're going to see on Sunday in in verse 6, the people as they are listening to Jesus are going to be thinking, what is he talking about? (laughs) Jesus is a carpenter. They, They began to know him as a rabbi, and yet he's going to start saying that he is a good shepherd. And so because the people are confused, Jesus begins to explain in verses 7 through 18 exactly what he means. And in his description, he says that because he's a good shepherd, he lays down his life for his sheep. Now, That's not really what shepherds do. I mean, shepherds are there to protect their sheep. Like, If the shepherd were to die, you made the sheep really, really vulnerable. That's why Jesus in 17 and 18, explains a little bit more. He he says, this is why I have come. I have come to lay down my life for my sheep, and I do this of my own accord. In other words, Jesus went to the cross and all of its horrors willingly and freely, which, which tells us three things. Number one, Jesus was not forced to go to the cross. I, I've heard some Christian skeptics of Christianity say that they could never become Jesus followers because the whole gospel story sounds like divine child abuse. That this heavenly father would, would send his son to die. I mean, that just sounds cruel. So in their mind, they're thinking, there's no way in the world I would ever want to follow this religion. And Jesus says, no, t- time out. That's not the case. He was not being sent against his own will. He was party to the plan, and he wanted to do it. And So Jesus came willingly. He was not forced. Second thing this tells us is Jesus was not surprised. <laughs> Jesus was not there in the Garden of Gethsemane praying with his disciples. Well, actually, they were sleeping. He was praying. And he isn't over there praying his guts out, blood dripping from his forehead, and then suddenly go, wait, what, what's that noise? What, is that soldiers? What, why are there soldiers coming? I have no idea. Like he knew fully why soldiers were coming. He knew Judas would be leading them. He knew all of this that was going to take place. In fact, if you go and read throughout the scripture and really study it, you begin to see it's almost like Jesus is directing things to get him to the cross. So he wasn't forced and he also wasn't surprised. But then there's a third thing that this tells us. And, and in my opinion, this is actually the most important it's that Jesus did not deserve the cross. It, Jesus, the scriptures say, is the only person to have ever lived who did not sin. He committed no crime against another human, he committed no crimes against heaven. I mean, Jesus didn't even deserve a slap on the wrist. And yet he got the death penalty. And so Jesus wasn't forced. He wasn't surprised. And he definitely didn't deserve this. So why in the world then would Jesus do this? He tells us. Verse 18. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. This was the plan. Jesus wanted to do this. But then that leaves the question, how? Like, what could possibly motivate a human, or, or let alone a God, to, like, go and die in the place of other people? If you were with us Sunday, uh, for Palm Sunday, you heard the answer to that question. We looked at this idea of Jesus coming to Jerusalem, fully knowing what was going to happen to him. And so the question is, what motivated him? Why did he do this? And the answer is love. Love is what drove Jesus to the cross. When you listen to Isaiah 53 tonight and you hear the horrors that Jesus went through, you have to remember, it's love that kept him there. It was love that made him stand there and allow these soldiers to spit in his face and mock him. It was love that he allowed this crown of thorns to be jabbed on his head. It was love that he laid there and let them put these nails through his wrist. You have to realize, this is the man who had all authority. We've been seeing it in the book of Mark, and yet he didn't stop it. He let it happen because of love. So uh, on Sunday, we get to look at the glorious head side of the story. We're going to see verses 17 and 18. We're going to see the awesome power of Jesus. But tonight, we, we, we got to stop looking at Sunday and just sit in this and realize Jesus went to that cross willingly because of our sin. The penalty of our sin is death. Jesus went and died it for us. He took it. He paid it. So tonight, We need to sing that and thank him for it. We need to to think all that he went through to realize just how grave our sin is so that we could also realize just how great his love is. So don't hold back tonight. Sing, pray, confess, listen, and when we get to the communion elements, just enter in to this. So I'm gonna pray, And we're going to then move into our time of scripture and song. So Heavenly Father, this is your night, just as it was your night some 2,000 years ago. Jesus, how you did this is unfathomable. It's almost unthinkable, and yet you did it because you loved us so much. Humans were your creation. You put your image in them. And yet we had the audacity to spit in your face and rebel and sin. And that sin has kept us eternally separated from you. And yet rather than take offense at it, rather than, than make us accept our own punishment and the consequences of it, you, Jesus, came to this earth to be fully human but to live that only sinless life. And yet you went and died the sinner's death. And so God, I pray, that your spirit would move powerfully through here tonight so that we could look vividly at Jesus and remember what he did for us. So God, accomplish what you need to this evening. Use the words of the scriptures, use the words of these songs, use just even the whispers of your spirit to help draw the hearts and minds of everyone who's listening to this, of everyone who's participating, that they would realize that you are God, you are good, and you love them. And we see that love so vividly through the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows And acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land, out of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth it's at the cross where we see the body of Jesus so broken it's at the cross where we see that blood spilled out so we're going to move into a time of communion communion but we're going to do it just a little differently tonight. We want to spend some time in confession of our sin because it's why Jesus went to the cross. And so we're going to spend just a time. So what, what we're going to do is we're going to do it, read a corporate prayer together and then we're going to give you just a minute to privately confess your sin. If there's anything that's weighing on you, grieving you, where you know you have not been giving all of you to God, this is your time. So would you please read this with me? We confess to you jesus our lord and savior that we have betrayed and denied you forgotten and doubted you we have betrayed you with our silence denied you through our actions forgotten you in our minds and doubted you in our hearts and thus we have failed to proclaim your gospel failed to live out your teachings, and failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Forgive us, O God, and help us to truly repent. Help us to remember your willing sacrifice, to recall your abundant forgiveness, and to know your unending love. In your name, Jesus the Christ, The one who was crucified in our place, we pray, amen. And now, let's take about one minute of just silent prayer, confessing our sin to God.